This is the Financial Coconut Podcast, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. Every Wednesday, you'll be chilling with me and my guests, who are some of the quirkiest, geekiest people we can find on the internet about how they do money and life. Sit back, relax. We are a few days away from the weekend. Welcome to Chill Swift TFC. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So my doctors would tell me that like 99% of them would die. And even if they survive, 99% would have been paralyzed in some form or another. So really, in a sense, right, I was a walking miracle from the same point. But I think the biggest lesson was really not don't do a lot of foolish things. And also life is really so precious. Welcome to Chills with TFC, where we sit down with the geekiest, quirkiest individuals to learn about how they do money and life. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. And today, um, it's a heavy one, but I am madly in love with today's episode. Why, right? Because in life, uh, more often than not, we go through this preset narrative, right? Which in Singapore is quite clear, right? Like you study hard, you get a good degree, you get a job, nice HDB, you know, and then you whack baby bonus hard, right? <laughs> Hopefully, you can retire in peace, right? But sometimes, we see people that, you know, choose a different path, quote-unquote, right? They think different, they do different, and we wonder what happened to them. And it's not always easy to harvest the actual story, right? Without it being packaged into some neat hero journey or like some moral awakening shit, right? So I am very humbled and uh, I appreciate today, right? Because Eugene from Vision Investing is willing to trust me with his story. So today we're going to talk about how his near-death experience changed his outlook of money and life, right? So I hope you find this episode useful, interesting and... Yeah, Dr. Eugene is a very interesting guy. So this is Chills with TFC. He changed a bit, quite a bit. There was a period of time he don't talk to any of us. Maybe it's you had a new focus in life or something. I do, I do. Like you're probably one of those people that don't waste time, you know? <laughs> and you sleep four hours. I know Thomas told me you sleep four hours. I was like, Xiao, this guy sleep four hours. Right? I'm so, trying to sleep five hours now. <laughs> I'm trying to sleep five hours and I was like, no, that's not helping. That's not helping. But but it's mm. about perspectives, right? Yes, because indeed. to some people, it's like, oh, this is not healthy. But maybe to you, you have a different viewpoint, mm. right? So I think that's the that's the discussion today, right? To 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 be more human. So maybe to just kind of like warm up, mm. you know, for, for people that don't know you, right? You've been on the show for many times. <laughs> yes, but for people that don't know you, you know, uh, what do you do? What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, who are you? What should I know you as yeah so you can call me Eugene so I've been born to a very humble family I would say average actually average parents humble very cheesy bro no no but this this is let me tell you how humble it is right so I think been staying in a HDB flat and how humble how humble it was my parents were probably earning like you know just really average income Mm. and um, my dad was a habitual gambler since I was young just imagine at the time we had debts of ten thousand dollars. Mm. The first debt was ten thousand dollars. My mom took almost two years to repay. Mm. That's 
some significant humbleness in terms of, of that, right? My mom was probably earning $1,500 salary. Mm-hmm. Basically went to Nanebu Primary School. Then of course went to ACS, uh, which the school oh. fees were way too high. So went through that. I think ACS as a bit was, was extremely difficult because I think my first part of my life, you had a lot of rich kids coming from one guy from a poor family. They always bullied and happened at that time also I was quite fat. So I was very bullied and actually the first two years was almost, uh, you know, thought of committing suicide. And then after that, um, decided I wanted to change my life a little bit more. I told myself I needed to become better. And I told myself I wanted to study. So first, first, I studied very hard and actually top one of the top students in my class like, that grade that year. And I, I played and I swim and I did more ways than anyone else. And within like the space of one year, I made it back to the first team back in, in year four. That was the first time actually I realized in my entire life that if I actually had worked hard at doing something hard enough, I could actually make it make it work. So after finished ACS, graduating okay, quite I mean quite okay grades, went on to to Raffles Junior College, which is RJ, RJC. And after I went to RJ, RJ was just a totally different league. You went there, the guys like they totally don't have to study at all, <laughs> and they they were just ace exams. And for for me, it was like I needed to study very very hard. And I struggled actually very very hard for the, for the first two years and plus playing all the polo. But I told I say I'm going to make it to the youth team, the national youth team in in Singapore, and just train very hard and made it eventually. The biggest jump was actually from from that from junior college to university or during between between two army was that I had trained a couple of years with the water polo team for almost I think six years, but never made it on the national team to play for the sea games. Then came in my final year in my university, I was like, okay, I'm probably at the peak. I think that eventually came back, and I, to be honest, in that final sea games that I played, so I played um all seven sea games, two thousand seven sea games, and I was the last person to make the team. You can imagine my life was was never smooth sailing. It was over. It was always a life that I had to push really, really hard and push boundaries, but through a lot of hard work and sheer determination, just to really just push at it to 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 get it. So that's been my entire life, and I realized, oh okay, that it's actually really possible. Is there no validation in the pain and the difficulty of the journey. I mean, I'm just trying to reflect back maybe even on my childhood. I can tell you like why I went to RJ was that when my dad, you know, when my, my mom, when my parents divorced, right, I actually said this when I was in ACS, you'll never make it to Raffles. And maybe at some stage, I actually wanted to make it to Raffles to, to prove a point to him. Mm. Even though actually I was, honestly, I barely scrapped through to even make it through, right? Or even, gradu- even graduate. And maybe it's just a point to prove. But I think it's also a point to prove even like from the early days. So like two two mottos always stood up to me even in my primary school days, which was from Redden Mars, which was the best. Uh, work hard, play hard. And work hard, actually, I think I really embod- embodied that. And I don't know, it's just this worker bee thing. I was like perfectly fine doing stuff. For me, it was never about I'm chasing this something. It's just about the really the journey and just trying to go towards it. And that for me was just good enough. I never chased more medals. I never chased winning more games, scoring more goals. It was just me trying to be better at every single time. So I was choosing the games that I knew I could fight and at least with me putting in the effort, I could win. And, and that is important, right? It, it, because I, I I always find the like school of hard knocks, you know, like chong ah, chong ah, go ah, grind story, like too simple, right? So clearly you have also decided what are the things that I can do that potentially have some sort of chance. You, you brought a really good point because I think you really have to find a game that you know that First one, you have passion, you like it. Mm. And at least you have some chance of being good at it, mm. right? And I think that that's important. Yeah. And at least if you try to work, work some hard, you can be better than average and hopefully be at least the top top percentile of, mm. of that. I think that, that's... Thank you, thank you. It's extremely <laughs> but, but that is essentially choosing the game, right? And I think that is, that is so important. Yeah, but moving down the, the story, right? Mm. 
what changed then for you? Yeah, no, I think just leading that to that, I guess. So after that, started working in finance and banking. Right? And then of course, 2008, summer came and you have the financial crisis. Mm. And at that time, no jobs were out there. So City was the only bank still hiring for the Management Associate program, MA program. Yeah, and then after three years after that, at that time, my banking career also was like, oh, okay, you'll have a lot of partying, a lot of drinking, a lot of... Is it a given? Till date, it feels like it's a part of the identity. It seems to be part of the identity, but I don't... Then how can I trust bankers? That's a very good question. If they're partying all day, drinking my money away, I pay them all these fees, then why should I trust them? There's a very... There's, someone once said, why would you pay someone who takes a subway to to off to the... To the to, <laughs> To office, right? To, man to, to manage to manage hundreds hundreds of millions of dollars and not yeah, billions yeah. of dollars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You, 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 get, you get your answer. Yeah. yeah. So that means at this point in time, you don't agree with banking or like with the bankers? I will not guess. I will not get someone from banking to manage my money. Okay. Why? The, the answer basically came from, came from that same, mm -hmm. very same statement. I think um, they're not aligned. I think they're doing it the wrong way. Traditional finance teaches it the wrong way. We can, of course, delve a little bit more into that. No, not today. today. Enough already. <laughs> So Eugene always comes out and talk about these things. Enough. Today is your life story. Exactly. Yes. So I think more importantly, really, it's uh yeah, I mean they just do it the wrong way. Mm, yeah. Mm, I think mm. we've been taught we've been taught wrongly. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. And then three years in banking, what happened? So after the join joined JP Morgan, uh and then in my in my second year, did something really foolish. I still remember it was on the Christmas Eve about eight years ago, having drinks at Tanjung Beach Club. Mm. On Christmas Eve. Lovely place. Lovely place. Saying. Lovely yeah. place. No no connection is great. Now, once yeah. you get there... This beach club, yeah, you know, nice. Just have fun. Just have yes. fun, right? Had too much drinks. Like, a lot of drinks. Decided to do something really foolish and stupid, which was to jump and to do a somersault <laughs> from the ledge of the swimming pool. And you know, a beach club at the swimming pool, mm -hmm. the, the swimming pool is not deep. Yeah. It's shallow. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Obviously, I'm intoxicated. And then the top of my head hit the bottom of the swimming pool. I heard a loud, loud, loud thump sound. And then suddenly my neck went soft. I was like, no one touched me. I went to the edge. And I, I knew something was broken. But thankfully, I could still feel my arms and legs, which means I still had, I was not paralyzed. And then the emergency ambulance came. Went to SGH, I remembered. And because it was Christmas, no MRI for three days. <laughs> because I was not dead yet, you know. <laughs> not like life critical. <laughs> so and Christmas more important. <laughs> Christmas more important. So, <laughs> never go to a governor hospital when you're about to die. <laughs> like literally or yeah. So so the next day, like, thankfully managed to go to Glen Eagles. I did a halo vest in which what happens is that four stuff got drilled into my head at the front and at the sides to keep my, my head in place. We should get a private side doctor to do that. Had that on, which is like, this thing probably weighs like 5 to 10 kilo, kilo, kilograms for the next like 3 to 4 months. For the next 4 months or so. To try to keep it straight such that, such that my joints happen. So what happened was that my very first bone, which is the C1, cervical bone, broke into two pieces like this. So after 4 months, right, the back joint and the front is still open. To this very day, the front is still open. So I still have a broken neck actually. That was when I realized that life actually flashes past you in, in, that, in that moment. No, no, that you should realize never drink and jump into the pool. That, 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 that was obviously the biggest thing. <laughs> that, that, that was obviously that's the biggest thing. So, the line, so right? parents, please don't, yeah. don't never let your kids please do somersault turns yeah, on yeah. the swimming no, pool. No, don't don't please. drink and then like, you know, get yeah. together and then yeah. jump into the do yeah. somersault. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So yes. don't drink near shallow pools, don't do somersaults. Don't yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. That's the main no. lesson. Yes. That's the biggest lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest lesson, <laughs> lesson. Yes, correct. But I think the biggest lesson was really no, don't do a lot of foolish things. And also life. It's really so precious. Let me tell you how serious that was, right? So my doctors would tell me that. 
that you know you're really very lucky that people will get this thing, like 99% of them will die. And even if they survive, 99% will be paralyzed in some form or another. Like my physiotherapist will tell me, she has never seen anyone with my injury who's still walking with all four limbs. Everyone she's treated because obviously physiotherapist, right? Has, is paralyzed in some form or another. So really, in a sense, right, I was a walking miracle from the same point. I was so, so grateful because if I had one mm more or two, one cm more, right, you know, I could, it could have hit my, 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 my spinal cord mm. and that, that would have happened. Mm. Yeah. And we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here talking. Yeah. We wouldn't be here talking. So that, that was really the biggest moment in which I realized just like how, how precious life was. Mm. And, and how did that change how you do things? Because sounds like before this, you already tem chong, right? Like, you know, I, I, we have some mutual friends and, I, and everybody already say you're very chong already. <laughs> so you have, a, you have a brand, you have a reputation out there. This mm. guy is crazy. Wake hard, work hard, play hard. You know, very chong. You know, every time I see on Instagram, it's like, why is this guy like traveling everywhere? Then after they tell me, oh, oh, oh I, I back already. I just publish later. So like, okay, okay. Influencer problem, influencer problem. But with all that, pretext of like how you do life already how did this episode change i think the biggest shift was it came from a stretch yeah. where i was spending lots of money right not worrying not really saving a lot the jp morgan private banking kind of I mean, the, the banking the banking banking banking, banking okay. in general i think mm. banking in general yeah you you could afford to because you you get paid a bit more and then you how much more. actually can you say how much you are paid so like, like, in the like typically entry level for most investment banking analysts now are probably around $8,000. Okay. $10,000. Is there any upside like commission or something? I mean, they have bonuses like, and bonuses, stuff. Okay. So they, they, get, they get paid typically around, okay. around those ranges mm-hmm. and stuff. I think that biggest shift was really moving from, from figuring out what do I do with that, right? And hopefully I can save more, right? Rather than just keep spending on experiences and stuff, which was great. But I needed to do more with life. So the biggest shift was actually my wife. My wife actually told me, you know, you spend all your time reading magazines, re- not reading any, don't doing anything with your life. Is this something you can do, right? And that's where I actually deep down inside, I was like figuring, okay, I'm good at finance. I like stocks. I like companies. So I used to look at it last time. I was doing equity research back then as an internship. So this is something I can do, right? I know I tried FX because I've been, I've, been, I've been doing FX sales for close to 10 years and I know I can't be a successful trader trading FX. So that's something that I I, I can know for but you're sure. You're good enough to keep your job, lah. I'm, I'm good at doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm good at doing what I do, lah. I mm-hmm. guess from that standpoint. So from that standpoint, after a while, I realized, okay, what can I do? So I went on the quest of really learn, trying to learn investing, and to do that is to accelerate my learning rather than read books, read ten books and try to take one year or two years and try to figure that. So I paid a course was then at the time called uh, MIP, which is under Ken Cheese or Eight I program, and it was a three day course on value investing. So do that the entire course and then realize, okay, it's not lottery tickets, you know. It's not like, oh, just buy some, anyhow, buy something and then hopefully you, you pray and then the company goes up, right? There's some, some, some logic to it. And I think first time value investing actually gave me some sort of inkling towards it. But after a while, I realized, eh, the companies they'll tell you to buy, okay, great companies, very profitable, you know, strong modes, will never go bankrupt type. Like, you give an example of Viacom, you know, like, duopoly, right? You, no matter how everyone got car in Singapore confirmed, have to go for car inspection. Every year, it's going to be there. One. Rain or shine. Recession, no recession. You have to go and inspect your car. They will make money. And then when you go there, everything is very dilapidated, right? So that's why the margin so high. Profit margin so high. Great company. But then when I realized, eh, but their revenues have been flat. <laughs> so if your revenues are flat, your profits are flat, and most you earn the dividends. Yeah, yeah. You don't have the stock price. Mm. So which means your returns are probably the dividend you, and the dividend you is probably like 3, 4, 5%. Mm. So I'm going to make 3, 4, 5%, okay? But then something just sparked off. I was like, okay, something is just off. 
Then I went on a whole crazy thing. It's okay. If ideally you want a growing stock price, the business should be growing revenues. Yes. The business should be growing profits and the business should be growing cash flows. That's just the number one rule. So I went the whole of that and I spent uh, two, three years trying to figure out all that. And then that's got me really into investing and then shift me, or really pivoted me all, all totally from one end to, to making do with my life. And now I spend lots of time reading anyway, reports, you know, reading books rather than, than, than I guess spending out spending my time doing other 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 life experiences. And you really believe that this is better? I really do, actually. That's the biggest thing. I really do. And when I ran the math, it became so scary. It became quite scary. So that's the power of compounding. So to give you some examples, right? I ran the math. Like if you had a million dollars, you put in $10,000 a month. If you can compound it anywhere from 15% to 20% to 25% kegger after 30 years or so, the end number would be anywhere, I cannot I can't remember off, off the head. Huh? It's probably around between 150 to 500 million. Mm. You actually really do not need to plan for retirement planning. Just do what you do. You do that well, right? You can actually get that, get towards that. But it's really not about the, the money because after a while you realize, actually, you don't need to spend a lot of money. <laughs> like we were just having a discussion before this, right? All my shirts at home are Decathlon t-shirts. <laughs> I have Decathlon t-shirts of different colors. Uh, uh, Black, uh. blue, <laughs> and white. Yeah, right? yeah. Wife was saying, uh, you should wear a t-shirt. Uh. Stop wearing shirts on set. Uh. It's like, <laughs> too formal, too formal. He's coming got cuffling, everything. Uh. Relax, relax, relax. Yeah, mm. so I think that was the biggest shift. And I realized after a while, I cut my expenses so much and I'm saving a lot more and now I'm just doing, just investing all of that. And I find that it's not about making money. Making money is the, what are you putting the money? And that's why sometimes I don't like to put money into bonds because you put money into bonds or fixed income, it just grows at the interest rates. You're not actually benefiting anything. Mm. I'd rather be investing in people, which I obviously do startup, startup investing and I do public investing as well. Because when you invest in companies, when the companies grow bigger, they actually benefit companies. So a lot of that becomes very intentional. I'm investing in businesses, I'm investing in people, and these people must be changing and making the world better. Mm. And that became a fundamental shift in my thought process over the last, especially over the last three years or so. To really say, hey, you need to do more of your money. When last year I met this guy called Guy Spear, who's a fa- quite a famous uh, value investor, and he said this: What does a dead man bring to his grave? Nothing. Exactly. You have all the wealth in the world, and you can't bring a single cent. Mm. And after a while, you realize what you leave behind is not the legacy in terms of your physical assets, but the legacy of whose lives you have touched, who you have helped, who you have influenced, who you have helped become better. Wow, we going there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, it, 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 is, mm. it is really that case, you know. Mm. Like I can tell you like, so what if I left my wife more money, more houses? You know, she, there's only number of places she can, she can spend on and number of houses she can live in, mm. right? Or more, or more, more money for, for anyone else. It, it, there's really, ultimately, there's not much. We all know how much we, we want to and we can, as long as we're comfortable, that's, mm. that's more than sufficient. Mm-hmm. And that's why I spent, you know, the surplus of, of my own other savings do, doing all of that. Lah. And that's something that I find very valuable and got me, thinking a little bit more on that. So what changed then? Like in, in this near-death experience? Okay, because I, I I get that there's some some pivot, but I just want you to be a bit clearer on mm. like, maybe sometimes when we recount our past, we were tainted with like how we look at things today, right? It's quite normal, right? Yeah, like like with, the, with the optics that we are today, we look at our past, oh, okay, well, blah, 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 right? but how has this near-death experience that you have gone through kind of recalibrate how you look at life and how you look at money? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. First thing, I think in terms of life, life is very fragile. Like, I can tell you, like, I don't do any crazy things anymore. So like, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I, I know I shouldn't be laughing, but... but like, like, I can tell you, I used to do like scuba diving. I used to do like skydiving. Wait, uh, scuba diving is considered crazy now for you because, for of, me, the because of the pressure. Because of the pressure. Okay. The pressure. So no, then no contact sports. I can't even play water polo anymore. Mm, mm, mm. So if like, how serious is it? Like, if someone hits me or I fall down, I will die on the spot. So I really do an avoid anything that prevents me from getting towards there. I feel like I don't dare to give you a hug. <laughs> Just going for I'm very scared. But, but yeah. <laughs> It's like, hey, Eugene, happy we, birthday. No, we, no, no. We can still hug. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, how, yeah, how? Yeah, so I think that, that was the biggest shift that really life became so important and because I really don't know how long I'll live to. So everything became, I needed to become just so meaningful and purposeful in whatever I do. And that's why even though I have very short amount of time, 24 hours, right? I try to maximize and do more than, than anyone else. And I think that that was just the biggest shift. I wanted to then make sure also everything I would do was also more intentional that I need to learn how to say no. Because privacy or people ask you, you know, they will say, oh, they chill you to go and say something. Just go, right? Yeah. Say yes. Yeah, these days you always say no to me. I want to dig a little bit into that whole like, you cannot do all these things anymore side of things, right? You probably went through a period where you're trying to like recalibrate how you look at these things, right? Do mm. you feel like you've been robbed? At that point in time, like you love to do this thing. I'm sure many people may, they may not be in your situation, but they love to do something. And then at some point, because of something, maybe they have kids or maybe they have like uh, aged parents mm. or, or something, right? Because of some situation, you give up all these and it's not like your own choice in that sense, right? Yeah. Like a scenario made you cut back on a lot of the things that matter to you. How do you feel... You know, like, like it, did, did something hit you there in the sense of like, do you feel something in that optics? Like you've been robbed something. I think one should feel sorry for themselves for, for being that. But the funny thing was, I really never felt that I'm, I'm sorry for myself because when it happened, I was just so upset. Like, why did I do it? Why was I so stupid, right? I think that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, if I had to do it 1,000 times, I would never have done it, right? But that's on hindsight, yeah. right? But the fact, the simple fact was that I, I did it. And I alone had to be responsible for the repercussions. No, that, but this is, a, this is a post-mortem, right? Like, yeah. after the thing happened, then, then, then after many years of going through this, you have calibrated your, your mindset mm. and you've come to a peaceful I think, position. No, like, even, I think even for the first four months, to be honest, like when it happened, I remember I was crying for, for, for a couple of nights on that. Because it was just weak, right? My, my mom had to fly back from the US to take care of me. My wife, then, back then girlfriend, was, was there constantly taking care of me. I, and, you know, I was just this guy. Even I go out anywhere, I was like, I was just, I'm, I'm a walking gigantic robot, right? And, and I felt very useless. I felt very, very useless. They had to cook for me. They had to do everything for me. And I felt as a man, that should never have been the case. And I wanted to just end, end that. What yeah. does that mean? I wanted to not continue to, to be injured from this time, but I wanted to recover. And I think just for trying to try to focus on that. That's why even though like it was a there was a partial injury, I was like, okay, let's take it off. I need to go back, try to go back to normal life and try to figure out what what to do with it. Yeah. And that fundamentally was difficult, but it, it was this moment where you realize you just got to gotta move on. You gotta move on. Right. You can be you can be really sad, but you have to move on. 
Yeah, uh, I, I get it. it. It's it's complicated. It's complicated. But then, how does moving on then look like for you at that point in time? Because after that, I finally recovered, right? Then I want, I, you know, my wife had been with me throughout. Mm. Proposed to my wife. Shout out to wife, ah. Uh. Shout out to wife. Legit, right? Legit, legit. So, we, I remember going on our honeymoon the, uh, after, we, you know, we proposed. I remember this, this was the case. We had an Airbnb that was three flights up. And if you go to Spain, they don't have lifts, right? And I had to carry a 25 kilos luggage, hers and my each, up three flights of stairs. And it's a circular flight of stairs. Huh? So I tried to carry the luggage and I couldn't carry. Mm. Imagine as a man, to carry that two luggages, I took me almost 20 minutes and I, I was breaking on a sweat. And it's for some reason, we were actually renting at a, at a street. They were near a lot, happened to, it was like near La Rambla, which is near a lot of um, prostitutes and, and drug, drug, druggies. And, and, and it was not not the, safe, not the safest not the you. safest street la, let me put it that way okay. we had to walk past that street every time to get to Airbnb right? so obviously I don't know what in hindsight was. so clearly we don't <laughs> try to avoid it's saying okay, that there are many uh, such scenarios on Sim- yeah. it's very similar, very similar. so yeah. I think we always went past that street every night and then obviously I had to leave on luggage go there and she was there watching the luggage so it's not the most safest bit right and I clearly me not being able to carry up that was the, just the pivotal moment I rest I was just so weak that's like just not I think that was the part where I just realised I needed to just get myself back up so Fit basically. So I also started doing personal training. How do you then train? Before that, I had never, I lost all my muscle mass ever since the water polo days for a couple of years. I stopped playing. Then after that, I started going for personal training. I can tell you, when the first time you do your first pull up, <laughs> it's like, like, it's amazing. Because mm. I've never done pull ups for like years. Then my first squat is, is just amazing. Oh, and then, and that, tell, that, that really got me stronger. And I think that was that, just that pivotal moment of how weak you realize you are and how much stronger you need to become in order to provide for the people around you. Yeah, so I just had to, had to do that entire, mm-hmm. entire change for that. Do, do you feel like you have internalized a lot of the like, you gotta be a man kind of thing? I guess it's expectations. Mm. Society's mm. expectations or, you know, of you know, what a husband should be, a man should be. And you didn't feel like a near-death experience made you want to run counter to that societal expectation. In fact, you ran closer to societal expectation. It's a very interesting observation. I'm a pro like this. <laughs> I, I think it depends because that wasn't a societal expectation. So I think it's just me knowing and I, I need to take care of my wife. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think and that's that's so it's not so much about what society expects of you, but it's just yeah. you wanting to like on some level, like yeah. give back to wife. Yeah. On some level, Correct. right? Because she was there for she you was there for me during exactly. your shittiest times, right? And hence I hence I think I needed to take care of her and do the basic things, right? Mm-hmm. To give her make her feel safe, to make her feel secure, you know, and to be there always, to be able to, to protect her mm-hmm. whenever, you know. And I felt like I, I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some things that you you think society expects of you but after this saga after this incident you no longer care about? I think society trains a lot of us to want to be rich. No, but you yeah. are rich in that sense. Like by a lot of definitions. Correct. So let me try to, to differentiate. Yes. Rich being you earn a lot of money you can spend it but it's not about Rich in the sense of the material things is it's I, I think that the better word that I would prefer is actually wealthy. Wealthy in a sense that I don't need to live up to society's expectations and to be able to spend the money the way I want and not being able to get someone to say, Oh, I'm or oh, I'm rich, or or to, or to leave impressions, or to make someone think something of me of me otherwise. I think that's that's actually quite a revelation in that moment. I no longer needed to you know, get people's validation. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so what's the difference between validation and reputation then? Like on one level, you say that you don't care about how people look at you, right? You don't need, you don't need external validation. Mm. On other level, you, 
you are someone that I believe protects your reputation. Like you have, you have a certain like rapport that you built and mm. you, you are very protective of it. Is it a fair statement? Fair, fair statement. I think the way the image or the, or, or should be, as, as, as Buffett or Munger says, right? Your reputation can be torn in seconds. Yeah. And, and literally, I, I've seen that happen. Literally, right? And I think, like, even the wrong reputation, you can see sometimes with movie stars even saying the wrong words. Mm-hmm. One saying one wrong sentence, mm-hmm. their entire career can, can go totally go, go down the hill. So I think it's more, more from that standpoint. So it's not to live up to expectations from that standpoint. It's not to protect a reputation per se, but it's to more make sure that the true me gets reflected of who I am. Mm. Is there a need to use that number to show wealth? Mm. Because I'm not a person who shows wealth, mm. right? And from that standpoint, wealth is just a number. To be honest, if you have $10 million and you are a billionaire, life doesn't incrementally change a lot more. Mm. There's only a number of cars you can buy, a number of shoes, a number of watches you can, you can have, mm. number of holidays you can go, yeah. right? So life really dramatically does not shift mm. a lot more. Mm. You can buy a big house, but if it's an empty house, what's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> But that's, that's exactly the point. I think more really to really go back down to fundamentally who I am as a person and then hence to be, to be reflecting truthfully who I am as a person. That's more of what I've always wanted to accomplish from that standpoint. Mm. Rather, I guess to let more the genuine side come out and people can see it. Obviously, you know, yeah, we, want, we want to achieve certain goals, but I think that's always what I Fair, fair, fair. I, I, I understand. And to me, in my head, it's not a dissonance. Mm. Right? In my head, it's like I have a reputation that I need to protect. At the same time, I don't really need you to validate me as a person. I'm selling the reputation. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, it's complicated, but yeah, people say I'm selling. Like I, I have the reputation. Oh, this is a quirky one, crazy, crazy one, right? There's a reputation that I, I keep to it, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Interesting. With all that that has happened, right? You share a little bit about your money, you know, how, how you how you look at it, you reduce your expenses, you know, and uh, you invest, you know, and, and to you that is like a big part of living in that sense, a big part of your life, you know, investing and creating value and, and all, mm. all those kind of words, mm. right? What are some things that you still then hold on to despite the change? Like pre-near death and then after that, you know, there, there are all these things that you've given up, but some things you've you've held on to, like what are these things? I think the biggest two things has always been the two biggest mottos, which is really to work hard, play hard. And I think to figure that is... So you see me, like, you, you, see, you see me on your Facebook, right? I, I can be working, like, in, insanely amount of hours <laughs> to do my stuff. Like, recently, I, I was sharing, right? I, I was doing an investing course for the last three to six months. Yeah, yeah. And I spent almost over 300 hours. And I was teaching seven students. My wife told me, is it worth you spending 300 hours mm-hmm. teaching seven students? Right? Is it really worth, worth it, right? And I told her when I was doing it, maybe it felt I had like what well, I actually questioned why why am I doing this? Because obviously she was questioning me, so I had some questioning myself as well, right? But I realized no, because when you can actually get closer to the truth or that quest as you have, right? Fine tuning. Because when you realize when you write, you always clarify your thoughts, mm-hmm. and when you're teaching, it's totally a different level. And yes. I never taught before, really, for like a course for for like six sessions. Mm. And it was really, really difficult because you can't bullshit. You have to be That's you really feedback. You really have yeah. to have the stuff. And mm. if people don't like it, they will call boo on you, right? And that was that was so important. And I, I needed to make sure I deliver and and to show that you know there is actually a, a proper way to put it. And after that, it's it's gonna be one time, right? I'm gonna spend the majority of the time gonna do it, and after that it's gonna be more reiterative and you know, just more updating on the content. And it's gonna be lesser. So it was very painful. 
It was very, very painful, but it, it was needed. And you believe you you live for that. I think that humans are humans. There will always mm. be humans that, that won't, mm-hmm. but there will be some some can. And mm-hmm. you know, that's we're not, I'm not trying to help everyone. Of course. You cannot help you're, everyone. You're working with the people that you, that you would want to work you would with. Want, you yes. would want to. Yes. As long as you get closer to it, it I think you know that's that's better. Mm. So, like you said, working spending the amount of time doing all that, right? was it worth it? Mm. And I think that's that's going so going back to that, right? It's always working hard. But also playing very hard. So I like, you know, when I have that finish, I two days later I went on for 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 a holiday break. Yeah. To, to, He's always on holiday break. <laughs> always. I feel like my procrastination time is his holiday time, you know? Like like guy is nuts uh, in that sense. And and has this always been the case or is it a situation of like after you know, like maybe before that you already work hard, play hard? I think before this before thing, COVID like, we were traveling quite quite often, mm-hmm. but just now after COVID it's lesser. But to be honest, that this was the first holiday we actually both me and my wife took. This the first long holiday that both me and my wife, mm-hmm. wife took. It's probably the second holiday or third holiday that we took. But the rest are all shorter ones. But I guess it also shifted because you know, something about working hard is about the quest to find out the truth and the quest to find out the truth involves a lot of perspective involves a lot of fact finding and I think that's very important right in the finance world you can come up something and then oh that's it or what you're taught use it but it's about going back testing back is it the case is it really actually really the case is this correct is this what is being taught is it correct or not so when I try to do a lot more fact based in terms of that so I think when you do a lot more fact based you actually arrive closer to the compasses towards, towards what it actually is so that was that was just a, a beautiful experience that I had I will still do it. Hmm. It might be really painful, but I think I'll, I'll do, it, do it in a heartbeat. And that's just who I am as a person. I realized that, you know, if you do work hard at anything enough, you can really, really get it. After the accident, that, that became even more ingrained. Hmm. Yeah. I can safely say that you are one with limited time. Can I say that? Like because of the incident, there's so many uncertainties on like what can happen. So your time is relatively limited compared yep. to compared to others, right? Yep. That's why you're more siao, right? Guys sleep four hours, lah, just saying. Okay. To me it's very siao already. Right? Like five hours I wake up, you want me to interview I beta hand already. But yes, like, I, I get it, right? So for people that are procrastinating, right? I mean just from your optics, mm. like, we're not judging mm. people, right? But from the many people that maybe maybe for everyone else that didn't have a near-death experience. We treasure life but not as to that level, you, you know what I mean? So what, what is something you have that you want to share with them, you know, like how they should do life or how they should spend their time better or something? I mean, first of all, I think everyone has the right to do what they want. I think that's mm. that's 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 an essential human right. Mm. For me, I there will still be no change. I mean, I still do what I do it's, because mm. time is so precious. I mean, if I were to see, I mean, I want to be thinking more with more like-minded people to do more of the things that I want to do. And I think that's that's important. There was this this is quote, right? You're the average of the five closest friends you of, believe of, in that? Of, of people. I I really I sincerely mm. do. I sincerely do. I do too. I sincerely yeah, do. Yeah. Because I went to multiple different groups and I see the difference. Yes, see the difference, yes, right? Yes, I can yes. tell you like when I first started, your five closest friends are people who are working for others. Mm-hmm. Now my five closest friends are people who are not working for others. They're working mm. all for their own. Mm-hmm. You see a, ma- a major shift. Mm. A major, major shift of the way of the thought process about what, what they think. People working for others will be complaining about the job, mm-hmm. about the, the, the work, or they just want to spend the money. People who are working for their own think totally different. Right? Time becomes, I think that's, that's, that's one of the biggest, biggest shift for me. So I think it's getting towards what you want to become. Figure that out, right? I spend a lot of time figuring out what's my life mission, my purpose. Figure out what, what you want. Figure out your ikigai, right? Which is what you love, what you're good at, what the world wants, and what it can pay. Right. I think if you have that and you can do that as a lifelong journey, that actually is the thing that is worth waking up for, really. 
really. That's the thing that's worth waking up for every day. And that's so important. So passion and purpose must have a money dimension to it. Within the ikigai. You, you must, you must, you yeah. must. You must, you must be, the world must be able to need and the world must be willing to pay, pay for it. I think that's that's extremely crucial. For important, this. important. Very because important. I think a lot of us, we sometimes we live in this like bubble of like, oh, passion. Like, I'm not very passionate about this thing. I've been through that, right? The whole like, you know, is this your passion? You know, like, is this your purpose? You know, blah, blah, blah. But I also read the Ikigai, right? And I think that money dimension is what is lacking in a lot of this discussion, right? I mean, in, in a sense that if you love what you do, it's great, you know, but if you cannot, then financially sustain yourself within the parameter of like this society mm. then it becomes hard for you to continue doing it and I think that's a reality rather than a judgment of like yeah, you know don't care about passion ah. passion not important one you can cultivate passion or anything no no no, no. It's, it's, it's not about that it's just realizing there's a money dimension to, to there, yeah there is a money dimension to it I think that's mm. When you can do that, that becomes truly very important. And I think it's about the longevity, right? If you can do what you love, like I can, I can see myself doing what I love until 80, 90 years old. Mm. I want to be continue to do, doing that. I think that's the most beautiful thing. If you can keep doing that, that will truly be, 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 quite, be quite great. Nice, nice. So you actually plan to 80, 90 years old? Yeah, I, I hope to continue to invest the same way I do without any change until I'm 80, 90 years old. And hopefully I can do that for as long no, as wait, possible. No way, I'm... Be clear, I'm not cursing you, huh? yeah. but but it's just more like because of your near-death experience, in your head, you still live to 80, 90. You know, you know what I mean? Like yes. because the timeline affects how you do things. Because I, I have met people that only plan the 60s, like, well, what about 60 chukela? Right? After that, I don't care. Because after that, I'm gonna get so old, I can't do anything, right? You know, you know, there's a there's a perspective, right? So to them, their life runs out in 30 years, and within these 30 years, they will do all the things that is in their bucket list and all that. Like, you know what I mean, right? I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And in your head, your plan is 80, 90. Like, you actually believe in that timeline. I think the way to think about it is you aim for the moon or aim for the sky, at least you get the stars. Mm. And I try to aim for as high as possible, and I try to aim towards that. I think that's goal. Right? I mean, if you aim for 60, then you might not take care of your body, you might not eat well, you might not just live and do funny things and do stupid things, and then you leave short. Mm. I try to take care of my body, take care of my mind, you know. Uh, obviously, I need, I, I've been made a, made a resolution to sleep a bit more. Yes, uh, please. Four yeah. hours is... You cannot uh, live to 81 four hours. Yes, yes, yes. You want to live to 80, you best sleep at least six. Uh. Uh, yeah, intentionally trying to sleep more five to six. I think sleep sleep, sleep, sleep is, is very important. Uh, mm. You know, the body, the mind. Um, trying to make sure that it's in the prime proper condition so we can last until my 80s. Mm. And that's, yeah, so I think doing that is just so important. Mm. Yeah. Nice, nice. So then... What do you live for in that sense? I live for the time where, you know, I can do what I want with who I want, wherever I want, when I want. Don't you already have that? Not fully yet. Not fully yet. Why? Like, I always feel like you really have that, you know? Like, you, you love your wife, you can do anything you want. I mean, I, I guess when I, I guess, I guess when, when I'm fully just investing on my own, you know, that, I think that will be the moment that I, that I, you know, I don't have to work for a job or, or do fully all that. I think that would be that, that moment. And it, it might be, you know, might be sooner than, than later. Mm. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we get get to that closer stage. Mm. Mm. But I think it's, it's, it's really that. And I found that to be so, so important. Like if you know what you want to do, you get closer to that. That's just easy, easier, straight and, more, and really more straightforward. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay, so you don't feel like your purpose needs to be bigger than you or something, or do you feel like your purpose change? You know, because for a period of time, I felt like my purpose needs to be bigger than me. Then after a while, I was like, Fuck lah. I'm just gonna focus myself, right? This is what I want, and I'm gonna do it, right? Like, so, if I share my life mission with you, right, which is mm. to excite, to empower, and to inspire people to grow their businesses, 
to create long-term sustainable value and to make the world a better a better place. Mm. It's a bigger purpose that is beyond me. Mm. It's a bigger purpose that is much larger than that, right? And hopefully that gets to a, to a, to a closer stage yeah, yeah, standpoint. Yeah. And you presume that when people have larger, better businesses, the world is a better place. I think the, the, the must be it must be the right kind of businesses led by the right kind of people. Right? Okay. That's a that's a much more complicated discussion. It's but you know what you know I was driving course, at right. Yes, 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 yes. Larger businesses doesn't mean always good. Yes. Yes. Of course there are there are a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more to this. What is happiness to you? Happiness to me really it's fulfillment and purpose. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Meaning. Define some of these words. Purpose, obviously I know my purpose. To keep working at it, to keep doing it and and hopefully get, get closer towards that, that end goal or mission which I want to do. Fulfillment is when you do and then, like for example, if I teach and then when actually some of them if actually become, they actually use it and, and they become, you know, financially free on their own. They have built up their own. They have managed to help their families, help other people, give back, pay forward. That's such a beautiful thing because I think the the, the beautiful thing is that, that what we do is that if you can help one, one can help two, two can help. There's a multiplicative effect of, of that, right? And I think that's just that bigger thing. And I and I found that fulfillment comes out when people realize, okay, they're getting closer. They actually realize, oh, it's it's it means it means something. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's just that fulfillment bit, right? And ultimately, being a, lastly, I guess happiness just being with my loved ones, with my with my wife. You know, we can we can be around the world. We can do the things that we want to do truly. She does what she she does what she loves. I do what I love. We we can get around. We have friends, good people like you. We have chats every other every every now and then. That's that's just that's such a beautiful thing. We have beautiful conversations about thoughts about life, about what we can do better, what we how we can better this. Just even this simple podcast, right? Mm. Yeah. Nice, nice. One 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 last question. Yes. Right. Is there room in your heart, in your life, right, to have other people that are like S? the same level or like of, of same level of connection as wife. You know what I'm driving at? Mm. You know, like not more wives, but like friends or like bros or like people mm. that can come in at the same level and you can be like, soulmate. Uh, so soulmate is it is soulmate a word? Yeah, yeah. That mm. is not wife. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the good thing about very good friends, you know, is that sometimes you don't need to constantly spend a lot of time with them. Is that after a while, a couple of months you come back, you can still chat as though you're this great friends, right? And mm. I, I do have a couple of friends Good friends are like that. And even like some of my investing friends that are one or two, like we don't chat necessarily chat or sometimes we just we could be texting, you know, quite frequently every day or every other day. And we just, we know exactly how how we're thinking about stuff. And that's actually quite beautiful. And, and to have that intellectual conversations and pushing each other, I guess, higher as 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 we move along on, on different levels. I think that that's also a different that's also a good good bit, right? Yeah. You know, you see like when a lot of people grow grow old, the most important thing is community. Mm. you have all the money in the world but you have no one to spend it or no one to spend any time with right it's a very lonely world and it's about the people around you the community and that and ultimately that that truly matters mm. and I think mm. being able to to have that so hopefully you, know, you can continue to do that hopefully to my 80s and my 90s with a group of people who can live until then 
we can enjoy having such intellectual conversations and be doing something mm-hmm. uh, at, at the background, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, but, but you went one round to say, no, right? wife is wife. Like, it's more than intellectual. It's the emotional. It's all these things that, have, mm. that you have built with her in that sense. Right? It, she it has is. built with you also. It is, it right? is. You've gone through so much that you can have great friends, but but I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like you're one of those people that have found someone that there's just no space for another person in that capacity. I, I say this on one of my wedding vows once. If you meet someone and you can see yourself holding her hand, walking in the park, 30 or 40 years down as you grow old together and the person betters you every day. That actually tells you that that is the person for you because you're seeing a future that that is that you're being able to spend spend that life with that person and that person continues to to keep improving you. So if you find that, you know, that person's a keeper. Nice. So my wife is, my wife is, 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 that, is, someone, is someone that person. Nice. She continuously pushed me that, that even though Whenever it's the hardest, she continues to put to push me from from there. Nice, nice, nice. Next time we must bring wife. Um, I bring wife, get a few people in, you know, because sometimes the people in finance, right? <laughs> I always have this like very like you know, oh, this is how you should do it, you know. But we all know that mathematically it can be one thing applied to real life is different, and sometimes the partner is the one that you need to negotiate with against facts right and, and that one is a different discussion we, we, we bring wife okay next round I, I get a few others then we, we can have that we can have that discussion thank you thank you for thank your time you.